Welcome everyone to the Optimal Performance Podcast. My name is Sean McCormick. I'm a life coach, performance coach, wellness entrepreneur, and it's my pleasure to bring to you every single week the world's leaders in the field of performance so that you can live your life at its most optimal level. Plus, cutting edge ideas so that you can stay ahead of the curve in an ever-changing world. Let's dig right in. Oh, welcome back to another episode of the Optimal Performance Podcast. I'm your host, Sean McCormick. You can find what I do when I'm not recording podcasts, like today's amazing, incredible two-part episode with Rob Wolf. Uh, You can go to seanmccormick.com. It's S-E-A-N mccormick.com. Learn what I do as far as coaching and helping people one-on-one improve their lives and improve their performance. And uh, you can also follow me on Instagram where I'm the most active, which is Real Sean McCormick. On today's episode, we are joined by none other than Rob Wolf. This is his second appearance. You can go back and find his previous episode, which was number 242, which was entitled Rob Wolf on Sane Nutrition and Cultural Shifts. We talked a lot about regenerative farming and a bunch of cool stuff. On today's episode, we talk specifically and in depth about electrolytes. Uh, full disclosure, uh, Element, a company that Rob helped co-found, is uh, an electrolyte drink mix. They are a sponsor of this podcast. I do love the product, and Rob is a co-founder, so uh, don't be surprised um, that that we talk so fondly of it. But the fact that Rob uh, used to be a biochemist informs his knowledge of the specifics about what's going on with this product and what specifically is going on with our lack of electrolytes, how that manifests, what are the symptoms of us being uh, deficient in electrolytes. We talk about how he finally realized that after you know eating low-carb paleo for 22 years that he really realized that and the electrolytes were a really important missing element. You know, if you eat low carb and you are uh, paleo, or you know, uh, and you're working really hard in exercise and in life, and you have brain fog or cramping, or you just feel like you can't reach that next level level of performance, there's a really good chance that it's because of electrolytes. We talk, uh, sort of debunk this thing about sodium that we just have too much sodium and we're consuming too much. And and the fact is we, a lot of, you know, standard American diets, we eat a lot of highly processed foods and those have a lot of sodium in them. But when you cut those out and you're eating low carb and you're eating high quality whole foods all the time, that's your baseline. You're likely just not getting enough electrolytes. So we talk about how raw Rob boosts his health. We also talk in, uh, for a little bit about this issue of nighttime urination. Uh, for a lot of people, especially guys, they wake up too early, you know, two, three in the morning and wake up and go to pee. And then it's a bummer to get back to bed. And uh, that could very likely be tied to your lack of electrolytes, specifically sodium. So we talk about how electrolytes, how consuming electrolytes can help you just like, boom, flip a switch. We talk about what's the difference between sodium and potassium, specifically electrolytes. A real, we really demystify the whole thing to make it simple. Uh, we talk a little bit about how Gatorade used to include plenty of sodium in its original format, and then they essentially you know, gave up the goose and went for uh, sugar in, instead of uh, more beneficial ingredients like sodium and potassium. Uh, we talk about uh, adrenal fatigue protocols. You know, A lot of us are kind of redlining and have a ton of adrenaline and we're just tired out and and grumpy and not sleeping well, Um, most of those adrenal fatigue protocols that you would go through with a doctor start with with doses of sodium in the morning. Uh, We drink too much water. And uh, we talk also in this first part of the episode about his approach to diet nutrition. How has it changed over the years? You know, he's now eating mostly carnivore. He says he has some citrus in there as well. We also talk about what is resilient aging. You know, if you're um, if you're getting up there in years and you realize that you're just not as resilient to stress or to environmental factors, if your if your body is losing resiliency, what we can do, how we can uh, make some changes to what we put into our body and how we treat our body, uh, he's as you as you well know, there's just so many uh, incredible. Uh, nuggets of wisdom from a guy like Rob Wolf who knows his stuff inside and out. Uh, in the second part of this episode, which I will release a few days afterward, uh, we we talk into some more cultural, uh, societal issues. You know how he talks to his kids about COVID and mask wearing. Uh, we talk a lot about um, how we are really missing an opportunity as a society, as a global culture, to 
emphasize the need for health and wellness. And so, you know, I just, I can't wait to release this episode. I'm so happy to bring it to you because it is so cool. If you love this stuff, if you like this episode, if you like this podcast, please share it. Uh, you can click on the three dots in most of the players and share it. Please share it on LinkedIn, share it on Instagram, share it on Facebook. That's the way that this podcast grows. And if you've been listening to this for a long, long time, you know, I've never, uh, you know, you don't have to pay, you don't have a firewall. The way that I help support this episode, uh, this podcast overall is through sponsors and through you guys just supporting this uh, by sharing it with the people that you love. Um, the special offer for Element is go to drinklmnt.com forward slash OP and that where you can get seven sample packs of element and all you got to do is pay for shipping so it's five bucks and it's it's a super good offer and and for me and it sounds like exactly for rob is the reason why he formulated this because he realized that, that this was one thing that he missed and when he when he began to introduce uh, electrolytes back into his diet uh in in a rather concentrated form it just he just brain fog went away cramps went away gi discomfort went away and he was able to to really push it and and um i can attest to that and a lot of my coaching clients a lot of my friends have started drinking element um, once or twice a day and they found that their performance is just skyrocketing and now is the time for us to um, begin to make some positive changes in our life. No time like the present. So that's again, go to drinklmnt.com forward slash OP and you can see what all the fuss is about. For five bones, you can just get this these amazing flavors, raspberry salt, uh, citrus salt, the unflavored is really good. You can just add it to, to other beverages that you're having. Um, so excited to bring this to you. I really appreciate you continuing to listen to this podcast and uh, I appreciate you. I'll see you. Hit me up on Instagram if you want to chat. Send me an email if you want to say, if you have some ideas for podcast guests. Sean at seanmccormick.com. And without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, Rob Wolf. Rob Wolf, welcome back to the Optimal Performance Podcast. Huge honor to be here. I will bring down property values anytime you let me do it. So thanks for having me. <laughs> uh, I want to I want to start by talking specifically about Element. Um, you know, I think there, there is, you know, you guys do a, such a good job explaining sort of the, the conventional wisdom about sodium intake and how uh, we all have sort of bought into this idea that we just need to limit our salt. Full disclosure, everybody knows this, it's listening now. Element is a sponsor of the podcast. Uh, I really, I really like the product, but I really want to talk about, you know, that moment where you, where it's sort of, you really realized that it was an electrolyte issue that was keeping you from, from really like, um, reaching that sort of next level in performance. Can you tell us about that, that sort of moment that you had? Yeah. And I wish at that moment it happened like 20 years <laughs> earlier than what it did. Um, it would have probably solved a lot of problems that I experienced, but, uh, I guess for context, like I've been eating kind of a low carb ketogenic diet for about 22 years, um, started doing it in 1998 and I've tried some little forays here and there. Like I've tried like the safe starch deal and tried reintroducing legumes and stuff like that. But just to overall, I tend to feel best right, right at that, you know, kind of ketogenic, uh, uh, peri ketogenic level, um, Cognitively, I definitely feel best and lifting weights. I do well, uh, doing kind of uh, low intensity cardio. I do well, but any type of, uh, high intensity intervals, CrossFit or jujitsu, like I, I really struggled with it and all the way along, um, I, I would never bought into the notion that sodium was this, this really big problem from like a cardiovascular disease perspective, like early into to digging into low carb diets, I knew that they were remarkably effective at reducing blood pressure and mainly due to reducing insulin levels. And when insulin levels drop, then aldosterone levels drop and and then we stop retaining sodium and the blood blood volume decreases. So it was I was well acquainted with that. And the flip side of that, I was pretty well acquainted with, too, like these um these low sodium diet interventions I I've tracked for years and like, mm. they just don't really change blood pressure be, because I, uh, sodium is a piece in that story. And if you are already very high insulin and, and retaining water, more sodium isn't going to make that better, but it doesn't really fix the underlying problem. You really need to 
for you find what your glycemic load is and your appropriate caloric load to get to a, a you know, a spot where your insulin signaling is good. So I, I had, um, I, being a biochemist, I was reasonably well steeped in the metabolism of ketosis and, and, you know, kind of the physiology, um, because I kept up on the research at least a bit, I, I was not in the camp that eschewed sodium, but I had totally missed how important significant sodium was for really making that, that situation optimal. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I motored along for, for the better part of 20 years, just, you know, feeling pretty good other than when I exercised. And then when I exercised, I was like, oh, do I need more carbs? Or, you know, like, how do I do this thing? I get all these cramps and stuff. And they started hanging out with these guys, Tyler Cartwright and Luis Villasenor, the guys that founded Keto Gains. And they're just great dudes, really good guys. They've built this amazing community. And, and I don't think there's anybody on the planet that has coached more people in general, uh, using a ketogenic diet, but certainly in the format that they use, like this online boot camp format where mm -hmm. the, you know, they're communicating virtually and having these check-ins and the results that they were getting with, with folks were just jaw dropping, you know, and, and, uh, they're great guys are really knowledgeable. So I started kind of creeping them and hanging out with them and everything. And, uh, one day I was like, Hey, can you guys just look at what I'm doing and get a, you know, give me some feedback because I really struggle having that low gear doing jits and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So they looked at what I was doing and they're like, yeah, you're, you're pretty on point, but you need a lot more electrolytes, specifically sodium in one ear and out the other. I'm like, well, I, I, I salt the heck out of my food. I'm, I'm good. And I motored long for the better part of a year, still struggling. And then they were, you know, and I, I, you know, ask them again, like, oh, is there anything I'm missing? Like, no, man, really the sodium. And here's how we break it down. Like, you know, in, in like chronometer document everything and then look at, at what your electrolyte levels are specifically sodium. And here's what we want you to be at. And you tell us where you're at. And I did it and I was like less than half of what they were recommending. Oh, wow. I was like, oh shit. Okay. <laughs> like I, I get it. And so then I ramped that up and we just did basically like kind of a homebrew deal where you do this much regular salt, this much potassium chloride, this much, uh, magnesium citrate, like, a uh, 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 what, what is that magnesium stuff? Uh, ultra mag or something like that. A little bit of stevia, a little bit of lemon juice, you, you know, mix it up, tastes good. And I did that. And it was literally like a light switch was just flipped. I was like, Oh my God, guys, like <laughs> electrolytes are critical. And they're like, yes, you're an yeah, idiot. And yeah. yeah. Yes. You, you know? And so I was all fired up. Like they had known this for five years, 10 years. And it was all like completely news to me, which is ironic. Uh, and, and it's really illustrative that no matter how much of, you know, kind of an authority or an expert you think you are on something like there's always more to learn. Sure. And there's always some, some, you know, or at least for me, maybe because I'm an idiot, I've, I've got all kinds of blind spots and what I'm looking at, but, um, I got all fired up about this. I'm like, we need to tell everybody about this. And so we, we brewed up this, uh, recipe for how to do the keto aid, like, like homebrew deal. And we posted it online and we had like a half million downloads of mm. this thing. Like it was super popular and people were like, man, we're really benefiting from this. But then we started getting tagged on social media where people were saying, hey, this stuff is great. But when I went through TSA, they didn't like my three bags of white powder, <laughs> you know, <laughs> which is kind of understandable. Huh. Yeah, shocker. And uh, so I was just thinking, I wonder if like some sort of a convenient stick pack type of deal would would be helpful. And so that's really like the Genesis story, mm. both for me personally and then also for Element itself and, and honest to God, truth, the, the first flavor that we launched with the uh, 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 citrus salt, mm. we formulated it such that if it sucked as an electrolyte, like if it just died, that we would rebrand it as like a margarita base. And so we nice. formulated it as a drink base first and kind of an electrolyte second. And, you know, it's just kind of been off to the races since then. Like we've um, we we thought that we were mainly going to be catering to kind of the low carb ketogenic camp. And that's definitely like the center of our bullseye, but we've had, um, huge buy-in from like breastfeeding moms because mm. breast milk production is critically tied to sodium electrolyte balance, fluid status, uh, 
this uh, uh, couple of different medical communities, POTS, which is a postural orth- orthostatic tachycardia syndrome where people will go from seated to standing yeah. and they'll, they'll pass out. And so we've had really good buy-in from there. So it's been fascinating where our, our circle of influence has really grown way beyond just kind of like keto bros and gals who are, you know, trying to be lean and jacked and, and eat kind of a ketogenic lifestyle. Now we, we have all these, uh, professional sports t- teams doing it. I mean, that was not really on our radar at all, but we've, um, it's been fascinating. Like we, we give away a lot of samples and once people try it and it's kind of off and running. So, I mean, it's been a really fascinating experience, you know, the, the like three years that we've been doing this. Yeah. 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 For me. And I think for a lot of people, the, the supplements or nootropics that, that people take when you, when you can actually feel it kick in, that's, that's everything. Like it, no matter what your level of activity is or, you know, how much energy you're, you're using or not using, I think that for a lot of people that when, you know, 15 or 20 minutes after ingestion, sir, then suddenly you feel like, oh, wow, I feel like I, I feel like I could go for a run or I feel like I can right. actually focus or I feel like I can, I have the energy to like clean the house and just keep, keep you know, keep things together. That sort of that sort of energy boost from a from a natural like powdered supplement in a drink is my favorite stuff because you can't that you, when you have that experience your uh, your life changes. I mean, really, yeah. it it really does. And and for you, for a guy like you who's like you know super active, you know, tons of content, family, and doing jujitsu frequently, like how many times a week? Three to five. Right. Yeah. So like you're, you're finding that, like that next gear, that next level. And for some people, they're not, they're in, if you're like going from four to five, some folks are going from like one to two. Mm -hmm. Um, And when they have this, that, that experience of like, wow, I feel like I have this natural energy that doesn't feel like anything else. It doesn't feel like coffee. It doesn't feel like chocolate. It doesn't feel, you know, like a stimulant. It just feels like I have this natural energy that, that's coming from inside me. That's the, to me, that's, that's the biggest thing. And, and, and I know that the listeners of this podcast and other folks who, who I coach, and I'm not, I'm not like a, a, a fitness coach, but I'm, I'm, I'm a life coach and performance coach when they, when they try it and they immediately realize, oh my God, this is something that I've totally been missing. It just changes everything. Yeah. And it, 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 it's wacky because I mean, I'm, I'm a co-founder of the company. So like anything beneficial to it, clearly I have this like, you know, self-interested deal, but as I've been noodling on this, um, I did. So God honest truth, like when we first launched this thing, I told everybody, I'm like, I either think this thing's going to go pretty big or it's going to be like a plane into a mountainside. Like there's not really going to be any any middle ground on this. It's not going to be this kind of whimpering thing that, that limps along. It's either going to fail immediately or I, I think it's actually going to go pretty well. And it's because I, I started noodling on God, if people really are sodium deficient and this sounds crazy in the modern kind of hyper palatable, highly processed food environment. So people get a lot of sodium attached to highly processed food. The sodium is problematic because it helps that highly processed food taste better, which causes you to eat more, which is a problem, you know, Mm -hmm. but like, is the sodium the problem or is it like kind of, kind of, you know, guilt by association? Once you get people to a spot where they're not really eating super processed foods, I think that most people benefit from more sodium intake, you know, and there's all kinds of epidemiological and historical studies around that. And as I started noodling on, I'm like, well, you know, you kept mentioning energy levels, which is fascinating. The way that we produce all energy in our body is through these sodium potassium pumps and ATP production. And the body is really fidgety about keeping those things in pretty tight balance. Like, uh, pH is maybe more tightly regulated than that. And if they get off you, you could die or, or feel really bad. Like pH is maybe even more tightly regulated, but man, if, um, sodium potassium levels get wonky and you are deficient sodium, things go bad in a hurry. And then if you, and then the, the interesting flip side of that is that in general, if you consume too much sodium, it's really kind of trivial for the kidneys to, to deal with that. Like at 15, 20 minutes later, you're back down to a normal baseline. Your sodium potassium ratios are pretty good. 
So it's, it's easily arguable from a toxicology standpoint that it's much more dangerous to be too low in sodium than too high. Mm -hmm. And I mean, this is really defensible stuff. And then when you think about like the energy production, sodium, potassium pumps, electron ion gradient in, in mitochondria and everything, it's like, gosh, no wonder this, like people really do feel a little kick in the britches when they, when they get their sodium levels, uh, right. And it, it, you know, and again, it's easy post hoc to go out and collect a bunch of things that like, Oh, well this supports it and that supports it. But it, <laughs> it is interesting that, um, adrenal fatigue treatment protocols almost uniformly, like first thing in the morning, they recommend a really big bolus of, of, uh, salt, you know, as, as part of your deal. And it helps to normalize adrenal function. It normalizes blood sugar. Uh, so it, it, it's interesting. And it, again, clearly a self-interested, you know, yeah. deal here, but, totally. but at the, but at the same time, I think there may actually be something to it, you well, know? I, so, yeah. I, yeah. I, it seems to me like it's a, it's a systemic issue. Uh, and, and for, for people who have been told that they need to drink a gallon of water a day, no matter what their, um, you know, energy exertion is, mm -hmm. it's like, like how, how much of that plays into this, that, that we are potentially just as a, as a, um, uh, population, uh, just drinking too much water. Like how big of a thing is that? I, I think that's huge. Yeah. And that's where, um, folks will say, well, ancestrally, how did we get this much sodium? And I think that there are some sources, you know, like, uh, uh, if, if you look at conventionally processed meat, the way that it's, it's bled at butchering, um, it, it, you get about a gram of sodium per kilogram of meat. Um, I think you could easily double that if we used more traditional methods where the animals are not bled and the sodium potassium is allowed to equi equilibrate. Mm. But that's still a pretty big gap there. And, and so as I was noodling on that, I, I arrived at the similar position, which is that, and this is, again, it's, it's like, not only is it crazyville, it's like, Hey, you should probably consume more sodium. Yeah. Now we're kind of saying, Oh, mechanistically, you're probably just consuming too many fluids. Right. And if you consume fluids, they should probably have some electrolyte in them more often than not. But I, I completely agree. Like if somebody was like, well, I don't know that I want to supplement with sodium all the time, but I kind of still feel like garbage then it may be that they just need to consume fewer fluids. Mm. Yeah. I, I yeah. think, I think it's a, it's been a problem for me and I, and I grew up, you know, we, my, my mom forced me to drink massive amounts of water. Uh, like, you know, we we're busy, busy kids. And I was, you know, I played, played elite sports and uh, I was constant, just constantly pushing fluids, just constantly drinking. Even when I wasn't thirsty, you know, we had these goals that we would, you know, these big water bottles that we would hit like before lunch and after lunch and eventually, you know, I got to a point where after, after a soccer game, I would have just like crippling gut cramps, like mm -hmm. just cr like absolutely just like cramping forward, super uncomfortable. Um, uh, and went to, went to my sports medical doctor and he's like, you know, you should, you should have some salt after you exercise. And at the time when I'm like a teenager, I was like, w why would I want, he's like, He's like, you're, you may just be in balance. You may just be, have too much water and not enough salt. And at the mo at that time it was like, that's crazy to think. He right. suggested that I eat potato chips, which was silly. Uh, but you know, in the, you know, <laughs> mid nineties, but, but delicious, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, silly, but delicious. An ex, you know, excuse to eat uh, salt and vinegar, you know, Tim cascades, uh, right. potato chips after a soccer game. It was, it was an okay deal for me. But it did help immediately, like within mm -hmm. within moments of of me um, uh, balancing that out. So for me, it resonates, and and I think that because we have been told to drink, so you know, water. So you're made of water. You need to be drinking water. You need to, you know, it's important for your skin. We're just it's this, it's this narrative that I think has reached this critical mass, and and we may just be washing out and and creating that imbalance. Um, can you explain the difference between? Um, sodium minerals electrolytes like is because i think that's i think it's an important for it for people in their brain to sort of understand and, and and while you're explaining that if you could sort of explain the three basic ingredients that are they're in element that sort of that and, and why they're in those ratios sure sure so the electrolytes in general that that help to maintain ph to some degree but also just uh uh 
intracellular and extracellular fluid balance and also electrical conductivity in our body. So uh, with the, um, I guess, kind of the metal ion side of this, we have sodium, potassium, calcium, and magnesium. And then on the, the anion side, the negatively charged molecules or, or uh, uh, ions that we have in there, it's mainly bicarbonate, which we, we can get from the dissolved carbon dioxide in our blood, um, chloride, phosphate to some degree, yeah, a little bit of phosphate to some degree. But those are the those are the biggies like those end up playing a significant role in everything from like ATP production, like phosphate is used in in different elements of of ATP going to ADP and, and then back recycled to ATP. Uh, the sodium potassium pumps are part of what happens when we have an electrical conduction with a muscle contraction mm-hmm. or just a nerve firing each time your heart beats it's a you know some sodium potassium that they, they get pumped into gradients inside uh, uh different membrane compartments and so there's a lot of sodium in one spot and a lot of potassium in another and then when they run back together that we're we end up producing energy through that process and they just literally they are kind of the the ignition switch for life. Without mm. these gradients, um, it, it, life just grinds to a halt. You can't produce ATP and, and everything dies. Uh, on the mineral side, you know, there's all kinds of other things like um, molybdenum and, and uh, man, um, oh gosh, I'm, I'm totally blanking on on some of the other other stuff out there. But those are really kind of the the core, um, electrolytes that, that, uh, we're, we're generally concerned with. And when we were noodling on how to formulate this thing, like if you look at a lot of electrolyte formulas, they have all kinds of stuff in them and it, yeah. it, it looks kind of impressive. You know, they've got zinc yeah. and copper and other, you know, <laughs> right. all this stuff. But what we did is we looked at about 200, 250 people that were following that kind of keto gains approach, whole foods, minimally processed, and we tracked, you know, their protein, carbs, fat, but more specific to this, we looked at how much electrolytes they were consuming. And what we found is that they, it, virtually everybody was fine on calcium. Like they, they really got adequate calcium. And also there's some kind of concerning literature that, that correlates calcium supplementation with cardiac events because calcium is involved in, uh, kind of the atherosclerotic process and with clotting. Mm. And so... I'm still not exactly sure where I am with that, but there, there have been a, a good, a decent number of studies now looking at people supplementing with calcium for like osteoporosis and then ending up with a, a remarkably high rate of cardiac events. And mm. so it looked like people were getting enough from diet and I'm kind of nervous about supplementing calcium. So we didn't add any calcium to it, uh, because people were getting, uh, the bulk of their food from minimally processed whole food sources they were pretty good on magnesium, but a little bit deficient and then similar on potassium. Like mm. they were pretty good, but there was kind of a, a gap there. But where they were really, really deficient was sodium, um, particularly if they're on the low carb side of things. If uh, uh, folks are legit, low carb, ketogenic, um, there's this process called the naturesis of fasting where mm. very, very low insulin levels cause us to have very low aldosterone levels. And so we tend to shed sodium like crazy. Huh. So the the demands of doing a ketogenic diet. And this is one of the funny things. Like if you or I are placed on a medically supervised ketogenic diet and a dietitian does their diligence in laying out a diet plan for us, we'll get somewhere between five and 10 grams of sodium a day by hook or by crook. Like they guarantee that it happens. And this is almost completely absent in the pop culture, mm. you know, discussion of low carb diets. It's like cut yeah. your carbs, get this amount of protein and then nobody talks about sodium at all, you right. know, and this is where people end up with the keto flu and all that. But we formulated element to just literally plug the the holes uh-huh. on a, a, an otherwise well formulated whole food diet. Yeah. I, I let's is less, a little bit of a less is more just enough minimum effective dose sort of protocol, yep. right? <laughs> like to yep. get, to get yep. you back to where you need to be and not, not overdoing it. Cause you know, we, we've talked at length on this on this podcast about magnesium 
Um, most of us are, are low in magnesium mm-hmm. um, and, and the need to supplement it. So to see it in there, um, yeah, it just makes sense. Um, what are what are some of the while we're on it? What are some of the symptoms of of low electrolytes? Um, like what besides the low energy or brain fog? Is there anything else that 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 somebody may be experiencing that they haven't made that connection that it's because of their their low in electrolytes? Yeah, it, and it's it's interesting. And this is I don't want to diverge too too far here because I'm getting old and it's hard to figure out how to tie in uh, <laughs> complex story arcs. But I'll I'll, I'll try to do my best. Um, when you dig into the medical literature, there is literally no, there, there are no known examples of people willingly dying from dehydration where they allow their, their body fluid level to get so low that they die. Hmm. It happens in extreme events. Like somebody's lost out in the woods or they get trapped in a mine or something like that. But if people have access to any amount of, of hydration, they don't die from from uh, lack of fluid intake, but there's a remarkable amount of documentation around people hyperhydrating, ending up in a hyponatremic state, a low sodium state. Yeah. And when that sodium potassium balance gets disrupted, the brain can swell, so you can have a headache and the the lethargy, and also just the electrical impulses for your brain, for the rest of your nervous system, for your muscles. They don't work well. Your heart uh, doesn't necessarily work well. So it's interesting that the the symptoms of legitimate dehydration of far of pathologically low uh, fluid volume are really similar to hyponatremia. But the danger here is that if you supplement water only in the individual that is hyponatremic, low sodium, you will kill them. Hmm. Like they, and this is this happens even in hospital settings. And this is, um, so much of why people are given like an isotonic solution that has, you know, some sodium, potassium, magnesium, a little bit of chloride in it. Cause if the person doesn't necessarily need that, not a big deal. The kidneys will sort it out, but if they do need it and you don't give it to them and you just give them a giant fluid bolus, it it can kill the person. Mm. But the, the overlap between these things, and I actually did a couple of uh, blog posts for, for Element, and I can ping you those because they're really bullet, bullet pointed out. Yeah. But um, you detailed them, like lethargy, brain fog, cramping, uh, uh, headache, uh, GI disturbances. I mean, it's pretty broad ranging. But again, the, the overlap between the two are remarkably similar, and, and uh, uh, it, it's – it's just safer to tackle the hydration with some amount of electrolytes in it, more, more specifically sodium, because it, it's just the, the cautionary principle. If the individual is low sodium and you top them off with a bunch of water, you're, you're going to make the whole situation even worse. Mm. Whereas, it, you, you know, and so um, whereas the flip side, if they're adequate sodium, but you're, you're topping them off with sodium and water, the kidneys will sort that out. And it's really not that big of a deal. And it's worth mentioning that most good medical textbooks of physiology, when you look at the topic of hydration, it's the water and the electrolytes. And yeah. that is the combination, you know, that, that hydration is that, that combo. And somewhere along the line, we completely decoupled those things And we think about hydration only being, you know, pertaining to water and we've kind of got a blind spot on the electrolyte thing. Well, all of us, all of us think that way. I mean, (laughs) I mean, even, even people who are, who are obsessed with performance, who are, I mean, at the highest level of their, of their game and, you know. I, I know that you guys as a company don't like to name um, energy drinks and, and electrolyte drinks by name, but you know we, the marketing campaigns that go back to the Michael Jordan days, you know, drinking bright red liquids and shit. Like... Here's an interesting, possibly interesting aside. Uh, one of our uh, uh, ambassadors, VIP ambassadors, went to Florida State where Gatorade was developed and they, they went to like the Gatorade, you know, museum and all this stuff. And they, they saw one of the bottles that was like the first or, or packages of the, like the first Gatorade mm-hmm. and you could, you could see the front, you see the back and it had a gram of sodium per, per serving. Really? And yeah, no shit. Yeah. 
And so at one time, Gatorade was kind of kick ass. Like it, it probably <laughs> the, the problem that I have with the sugar is that a small female may not have the same glucose demands as a super large male. Or if the person's doing highly glycolytic activity versus like steady state cardio. So we just haven't played with adding carbohydrates to to the mix. We recommend that if here we give people uh, some information about like here are the probable situations you might need and then you will need to customize it based off of your situation. Like I, before I do jujitsu, when I look out at the, the crowd, if it's a bunch of old beat up has like me, I don't even take any glucose. But it, it, like the other day, there were like three retired Navy SEALs. There were a bunch of cops. There's <laughs> these kids who were, who were like D1 wrestlers that have blue belts and stuff. And I was like, yeah, I'm taking like 20 grams of, <laughs> of you know, glucose in the form of, of, uh, these, these diabetic glucose tabs. So huh. we didn't really enter into that, but it, it is worth mentioning like Gatorade was pretty on point in yeah. its, in its inception. And that's part of the reason why I think it worked so remarkably well, again, maybe confirmation bias, but it's interesting. It had a gram of sodium per wow. serving and I it's, mean, it's, it's Origin story. Well, it used to be just powder before they made the bottles, yep. right? It was just I mean, yep. when, when, you know, growing up as an 80s kid in the 90s, it was just the powder you could, you, you, and yep. so it was easier to probably put, put it in that form. Yep. Yep. And I also, I don't think people yet were as terrified by sodium. And so yeah. they, they've kind of dialed the sodium down and the sugar up over the course of 40 years, which is ironic. You know, it's, uh, uh, somehow so, Sodium became bad and sugar became good in this whole this whole story, you know, which is kind of ironic. Yeah, yeah that is ironic. Yeah. Uh, did I hallucinate or make this up in my mind that there is a, some connection between like electrolyte imbalance, not having enough electrolytes and uh, peeing at night, waking up to piss at 3 a.m. like so many of us do? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. And uh, Chris Masterjohn is really your guy for that. Like okay. he did a real deep dive on this. And <laughs> The physiology is kind of complex, but the, you know, paring it down, um, inadequate sodium levels, even transiently, then we will tend to see an uptick in aldosterone that, that will cause a, a retention of sodium. But whenever we, we, the adrenal hormones are interesting in that if you release one, you tend to release all of them. So if aldosterone goes, then cortisol tends to go, uh, epinephrine tends to go, both cortisol and all, uh, epinephrine cause retention of sodium also. Hmm. And, and this is interesting, you know, like in adrenal fatigue and so many people who report kind of adrenal fatigue symptoms on low carb diets, their body is trying to retain sodium because they should be consuming more sodium. Ah. But in this, this like uh, nighttime peeing, a uh, nocturia or whatever it, it, it's called, what, what Chris Masterjohn recommended was just taking some plain table salt, uh, ideally non-iodized, sure. and um, uh, a quarter to a half teaspoon, and just mix it in the barest amount of water to, to just make it soluble. You know, mm -hmm. like you don't, when you're trying to prevent peeing in the middle of the night, you don't want to, you yeah, know, yeah. put it 16 <laughs> more ounces of water. So it's just a bare amount. Um, swizzle that around, shoot it down. And what it does is it suppresses that, that aldosterone, uh, angiotensin, you know, axis, the whole adrenal cortical axis. And so people will tend to then sleep through the night. So if people were waking up mm -hmm. at like three, 3 AM all the time, they'll probably sleep to like 6 AM. Yeah. So they get that uninterrupted sleep. And, uh, within our healthy rebellion community, this has been, you know, like, uh, We've recommended some stuff like Ziva meditation, a twice a day meditation, and that's just been this massive impact for people. And I would say the pre-bedtime salt shot has wow. been one of these things that I'm just kind of stupefied by how powerful it is. And that's for males or females. But it seems in particular for males, if they're having any of that like uh, uh, benign prostatic hyperplasia type stuff and a yeah. little bit of uh, you know, pee problems. It seems to really legit help that. Yeah. yeah. I, I've, I, I, I don't remember where I heard it and, um, you know, I, I, maybe I made the connection somehow, but, um, one thing that I've been suggesting for coaching clients of mine is, is, is not only, you know, because I love elements so much, I've suggested they, they, they check it out, but then all, and then also, um, Pinching your your pee stream while you pee to exercise yep. that that uh, uh, you start by doing it one. I mean, it says, and I've been doing this for years, 
because I do not want to have, you know, I do not want to have piss issues. I, I certainly don't want to be waking up at three o'clock every single morning in the middle of the night, like right. like so many guys do who are, you know, 35 plus, 30 plus. Um, so like ho- halfway through your piss, you hold it for 30 seconds. It sucks in the beginning, but you get stronger. And then you work your well, you work your way up to doing it like three times uh, through every urination. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've suggested some people do that. They've started to do that, and now they do not wake up to pee anymore at three o'clock. Oh, interesting. And so, yeah. so the the electrolytes in in combination with being able to exercise that uh, that sphincter in your pee holes, like man, that's that's a game changer. Because how many people wake up to piss at three? They get frustrated that they're awake. They go pee, and then they can't get back to sleep, or they have terrible right. sleep for that last couple of hours. And then that just becomes this downward spiral because I I think a lot of the, I I think probably the lack of uh, kind of pelvic floor exercise, we all start sitting and we don't Mm. do as much dynamic movement. So that's probably a a piece to it, but also this hyperinsulinemic state, you know, this insulin resistant state really tracks with this uh, uh, prostate issues. But then the, the really terrible thing is that when we start getting sleep deprived, our insulin resistance just skyrockets, uh-huh. which then begins this downward spiral on on this thing. So like you you wake up, you pee, you can't fall asleep, your sleep sucks, you become more <laughs> insulin resistant. Sure. And it just is this gnarly feed forward mechanism. Yeah. So I really like that. Actually, I'm gonna make make that recommendation in the in our, our community, like because the the pelvic floor exercise just seems to be powerful for men and women for a whole host of issues. Yeah. 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 It sucks at first. I mean, nobody likes, yep. you know, you can't stop what you started. I just want to pee. I just yeah. got to let me pee, man. <laughs> it works though. Um, uh, I want to kind of switch gears a little bit. Uh, there's a lot of, there's a lot, a lot more I want to get to with you. Um, um, you know, one thing that, that I, that I see people struggling with is, you know, uh, energy. They, they, they want, they, they, they know they want, they know they want to work out. Their gyms are probably closed. They, they, they want to have the, the, the boost in energy and the motivation just to get through this sort of fear cycle that, that everybody's in. And, um, and you know, we don't have to go too deep into that, but, you know, I, I think for a lot of people, they don't have the energy to like be doing their own research. They don't have the energy to be exercising, to boost their resilience, to boost their immune system, to boost their mood, you know, let alone. And so I'm, I'm, I wonder about what, what sort of energy boosting hacks or biohacks or protocols or ideas are, are you, have you seen, cause you seem to have this endless energy and you're gonna go, nah, dude, I'm you know, falling apart. Don't, don't listen to me, but <laughs> uh, it's what, close to that. It's close <laughs> to that. Yeah. But what, I mean, what, what energy, what, what have you seen work for people when it comes to boosting their energy so that they have the ability to like live the life that they want? Really, really good question. Uh, I, I, thinking of kind of two angles on this. The first is um, over the course of time, like I've always talked about the importance of sleep, but I wish that 15 years ago I couched my whole shtick in sleep and not like paleo nutrition or whatnot. Because mm-hmm. if you start from this premise of, hey man, and you detail all these benefits of sleep and all these gnarly downsides of not sleeping, you end up with a, a pretty interesting sales pitch there and kind of a, a defensible, non-religious kind of position. You're really hard-charging type A corporate execs. still push back on it. They're like, oh, I'll sleep when I'm dead and, you know, all this stuff. But there's some really interesting stuff there, you know, like uh, serial sleep deprivation, five days in a row, one hour of sleep deprivation each night, which new parents are kind of like, oh, my God, you know, it, yeah. it, a whole other – deal, but you are as, as cognitively and physically impaired as, as if you were at like a 0.1 blood alcohol level, like you're, you're, you're fucked up. Like you're, you're not operating optimally. The thing is, is it happens over time. So it's kind of like the frog in the hot water. Like you, you just don't notice that you're becoming a hot mess. And Mm -hmm. so if we couch everything in terms of sleep, it's like, Okay, you're sedentary, you eat garbage, you stay up late, you're looking at a monitor. So we look at all this stuff and it's like, okay, we're going to start modifying all these things to improve your sleep. So we're going to deal with maybe we do some blue blockers in the evening. Maybe we do something like Flux on the, the computer. Maybe we get you off social media 9, 9, 99%, you know, so that you don't have that like stress adrenal, you know, response with that. 
And then when we get to, and then the person's like, yeah, I'm feeling better, but I'm still waking up. And it's like, well, let's get you a CGM and see what your blood glucose looks like. Holy shit. Your, your blood glucose is all over the map and it's highs and lows. You need a low carb diet. And now we're sneaking up on this thing in a completely indirect way. It's not the paleo diet nerd guy recommending low carb. It's like, Hey dude, this is your body. Your body yeah. sucks at dealing with carbohydrates at least right now. So we've got to re reduce your glycemic load. So we need some more protein and some good quality fats. And so I think I'm at a spot now where anything that can be done that improves sleep quality will improve everything mm. else. And if we're not sleeping well, like, like some folks get up at like 4.30 in the morning to go work out and it's set and they, they'll be like, this is the only time I have to work out. And I really legitimately don't know if they're doing themselves any favor. Mm. Like I really don't know if sedentism is better than waking mm. up an hour, hour and a half early to go work out. Like I'm just not, I'm legitimately not sure about that. But those are, are just really plug in the gaps on sleep, I think are huge. And then this, this other thing that popped up in my life, like two and a half years ago, I've kind of dabbled with meditation, but uh, kind of stick. I, I don't know. It's kind of hokey. And then my wife tracked this thing down called, uh, uh, stress less accomplish more by Emily Fletcher. And she has an online, uh, program called Ziva meditation. Mm -hmm. The online program is great. If you want to do it, it, it's phenomenal, but she's got like an $11 book and it, 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 uh, it's so interesting because like I checked out like Sam Harris's stuff and I like Sam Harris a lot, but, um, and he's a neuroscientist, but his pitch for meditation just didn't stick with me. Hmm. Like it was so uninspiring. It just didn't light a fire under me. And Emily's shit just really resonated with me. She she is a non-scientist who covers the science in a super accessible way, and it was really compelling. It is totally non-spiritual, no wavy gravy BS, <laughs> and and um and it's basically she she lays out this process where you you first thing in the morning you do this thing called come to your senses where you think about your smell and your taste, your hearing, your sight, and how you feel, mm -hmm. and then you go through this thing where inhale. And then exhale and you, you figure out a mantra and it, it, my thing is just, I think one, you know, oh, we're one big unit, happy universe. You know, it's very simple. If, um, thoughts enter my mind, I just let them go. And I go back to just the breathing. I do that for like 15 minutes and I do that in the morning and I do it in the afternoon. I've been doing it mm. two and two and a half years now. And uh, so that afternoon slump, you're feeling like shit. You're like, man, I don't have a lot of energy. I'll do that meditation. And I'm like, I, I just pop out of the chair. I am wow. ready to go. I, I, if I need to do more work, I'm good to go. If I, I hanging out with the kids, doing some exercise. Um, and I would say that the meditation practice has been as impactful, beneficially impactful on my life as ancestral eating. Wow. And I mean, I mean it, it, it and so I, and I make no money off of any of that, but like, I just can't recommend that enough. And wow. what, one of the main benefits that people report when they start doing this Eva meditation is that their sleep dramatically improves. Yeah, right. So it dovetails back around into that, that sleep thing. So I, ironically, I think if people are needing some more energy to motor through their day, adopting a twice a day meditation mm. practice, 15 minutes of whack and do it like hook or crook. Like if you got to like bind and gag your kids and pitch them in a closet or something like clearly not. But you know, I mean, it, it, what we do is we sit down with our kids and, and do the meditation with them. Oh, that's great. And some, some days they get up after five minutes and go wander away. I just tell them, Hey, please just give me my time to do this. You, yeah. you stay as long as you want. More often than not though, they stay there. And huh. oddly enough, they are much, they're just centered and happier and I'm centered and happier. Um, my wife has made the observation that um, I am so much less reactive to the kids, to life stressors, all that type of stuff. Like there's just this buffer and it's not like I'm checked out or something, but it's just something happens and yeah. I actually get to choose my response instead of it just being this knee jerk, sure. like, like, you know, freak out and everything which then leaves more energy for everything else. Like yeah. if every little thing in my life isn't like wearing me down, then I, I think at the end of the day, you just are left with still more energy. So, um, hopefully, hopefully that, that like every angle you can think of to improve your sleep 
and it, which will include food and time, time to bed and like, all, you know, circadian rhythm and all this. And then adopting a, a daily meditation practice. And I, I can't recommend the Ziva meditation enough. Like wow. it's just amazing. That's and insane. again, the book Stre- stress less, accomplish more Buy it used, buy it on Amazon, whatever it's 11 bucks. And, and if you want to just like skim through it till you find the, the page where she lays out how to do it. It's a page and a half. If you want to, just do that, but just fucking do that. Yeah. Like, like commit to doing that. And it'll be possibly like the greatest return on investment that people have ever done in their life on anything. It's crazy. Holy smokes. Yeah. Holy smokes. Yeah. What, what, what time in the afternoon do you usually sit down? Not a specific time in the okay. afternoon. Like I always do it first thing when I wake up, but then, um, usually my wife and I will kind of tag team on that. She'll do one or I'll do one. And, and, you know, just somewhere between like two and four, uh, you know, typically somewhere in that window. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. That's excellent. Well, wow, that's, that's really, that's good. Um, what, uh, what sort of reoccurring themes, uh, are you seeing people, um, dealing with, um, in the healthy rebellion radio, um, your, the, the format of the show is so great. Uh, it's so specific, you know, how, I don't, can't tell you how many times I'm like, Oh yeah, I've been, I've been wondering about that too. That specific thing. So I, I'm curious what, what sort of themes are people coming to you with that that seem to be, you know, consistent across across populations? Oh man, that's a good good question. Um, GI problems and the way to resolve them are a, an ongoing thing, and um, ironically, uh, shifting kind of. Um, oh, I think my phone's going off. Sorry, man. I thought I had this turned off. Um, right. uh, shifting more towards something that looks like carnivore. And I'm, I'm just like, you know, am uh-huh. I really saying this? But, um, yeah. I, I thought that this was just nuttery when it really was first spinning up. But, you know, my, my focus has really been kind of in that gut health autoimmune side of, of things like that's really been my passion. Cause that's been the stuff that I've really struggled with. Yeah. And I saw folks that had done paleo, autoimmune paleo, um, uh, uh, keto of, of all sorts. And they would get better, but they weren't like totally crushing life. And then like I, I went carnivore and it was everything fixed. And people with like horribly debilitating GI problems, neurological problems, autoimmunity. And uh, that so this I, I'm seeing this trend that folks that are really legitimately sick and, and they've kind of turned over a lot of stones and maybe had a little bit of progress, but I'm finding people kind of migrating more that direction. Um, and then within kind of carnivore land, there's a lot, it's ironic that, that there's all these different ways, you know, some people do dairy, yeah. so other people don't, some people are like nose to tail. Other people are literally one, one cut of meat like ribeyes and, and they don't do anything else. And I see all of it work. Yeah. Uh, I have noticed that, uh, folks will frequently do pretty well carnivore plus a little bit of fruit, a little bit of citrus, mm-hmm. you know, they kind of have to play around a w- little bit, but the irony is that, um, uh, the big ass salad and stuff like that isn't so good for people mm. so it, it, in these scenarios. Some people crush it and do do really well on that, but this has just been this really interesting theme that I've I've seen played out. And and uh, I actually developed the autoimmune paleo protocol, and so it it was you know you could make the case that I would have some investment in kind of like defending <laughs> or firewalling that, but I've got to say. Um, carnivore is so simple by comparison. Like it, yeah. I, I think about like old Testament and new Testament type thing where there's like all these rules and autoimmune paleo, you just, it's mind numbing to me to figure out why do you do this or you do that. Whereas like the carnivore thing is so simple. Yeah. Um, and then people find that they maybe do okay with some fruit, maybe a little bit of dairy and they, they kind of push the outer boundaries, but mainly they just stay really aware of, um, what's their GI function like? And then what's their overall symptoms? Like if they're, they're dealing with some sort of health issues like depression or something like that. Yeah. And that's definitely been a recurring theme is, is, uh, seeing a, a yeah. good number of people that have had uh, really long standing health issues kind of benefiting from migrating a little bit more towards the uh, carnivore side of things. Yeah. Yeah. Where are you at on it? Where, in your turn, in terms of your personal consumption. 
I have gone ever closer to, yeah, what to that. that. What, I'm, I'm what, does, what does that mean, though? Like a little broccoli with dinner and, and – or Broccoli like, kind of tears me up now. I'm, I'm realizing that although my – so I had ulcerative colitis 22 years ago that got me heading down this path. And I always ate a ton of veggies and I always had pretty loose stools. Like <laughs> I, I've never been constipated in my life and – um and I think it's the goddamn vegetables. Yeah. Like I, I, I'll, I'll do a little bit of white rice here and there. And I mean, it, it, it's like a quarter cup or something like I'm, I'm not super carb tolerant, but I'll do a little bit of white rice. I do a fair amount of dairy now. Um, citrus fruit. I seem to do really well with, uh, watermelon. I do pretty well with papaya when it's in season. I do well with apples and pears are terrible for me. They just absolutely like they come out the same way they went in. Huh. Um, Berries are a mixed bag. Some berries I do pretty well. Some of them not so great. Blueberries I don't do that great with. Blackberries I do really well with. So, I, I, you know, um, uh, it, it's mainly meat, seafood, dairy products, and then just a spattering of um, uh, mainly a little bit of fruit here and there. I do pretty well with um, artichokes and asparagus. Hmm. Avocados, okay. Um Guacamole, I don't do that well with because I finally accepted that like I don't do well with with garlic. Like I, I oh, no. fought it and fought it and fought it, and I'm just like, okay, yeah, I don't. I, huh. Big whack of garlic will light me up, and it, it's just like it's that loose stools thing again. Yeah. And, and I notice um, if things get kind of loose, and I'm I'm kind of wondering if it's an electrolyte deal because I'm not reabsorbing the the fluid in the GI tract, but I just feel bad. Like kind of neurologically, I'm kind of lethargic and yeah. flat and everything. Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, t today's the first day of all meat April, man. Uh, oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> I, I mean, uh, you know, uh, who, uh, uh, Dr. Dr. Sean Baker is, is, is promoting it. Um, yeah, I mean, we've, we, we, we touched on this last time. We touched a lot on regenerative farming, you know, since then I've had Anya Fernald from, uh, Bill Campbell on, mm -hmm. um, you know, you know, I, I follow really closely, you know, uh, Dr. John Jake Wish, the X3 uh, creator. Yep. He and I, you know, talk quite a lot. And now he's uh, he's advocating for dry fasting. I don't know if you've seen any mm -hmm. of his posts talking about dry yeah. fasting. Yeah. Pretty fascinating, you know, um, doing carnivore, uh, OMAD carnivore with the product that he developed, the um, uh, Fortigen, which uh, for, for me, I really like, you know, following that one milligram or one gram of protein per pound, bo per, per pound body weight per day, which mm -hmm. I, I try to follow pretty closely because I want to, you know, I'm that guy that wants to build, build lean muscle and lift yep. heavy shit. Uh, um, interesting. I, you know, I think there's, I, the, the, the ease of it, the simplicity of it, uh, is accessible for people. The fact that it just completely eradicates, you know, seed oils and sugar and all these other things that can screw people up. And, you know, the fact that, you know, veg, there's some, that vegetables can be toxic for, for people in a lot of different ways. You know, the, the things that, uh, that, that people are, are just not tolerating as well anymore. Fascinating for me. Um, cool. Do you do any, yeah. Organ, yeah do you do any organ meat? I, I do, but so we do this uh, offal blend. So the the folks that we go with, they take like a pound of ground beef and a pound of liver, heart, other fiddly bits, and they, they mix it together. And so I'll take that one pound of the mix and then mix it with two pounds of regular ground beef. Yeah. And that will be our taco base and Ooh. then also like marinara base and stuff like that. So um, and the kids will smash that. But I, I've got to admit um, I've had organ meats. I've not had organ meats. I don't really notice a difference personally. And, and again, um, I, I will take some lime and like put some lime juice in my water. Uh, I'll, I'll eat some citrus most days. Like I'll, I'll have an orange, maybe two, you know, maybe more than that if I'm, if I'm doing hard jujitsu or something. So I may be rounding stuff out well enough elsewhere, but then you have people like Sean Baker that he's, he, you know, he doesn't do any organ meats and, and, uh, He's he's crushing it. I'm I'm really it's a perplexing um, spot for me. I had Michaela Peterson on my podcast and we kind of went through her blood work and she had normal vitamin C levels, normal B vitamin levels, iron, zinc, you know, all this stuff. I don't think that's it's going to work for everybody. I mean, the same yeah. caveat supply, you know, uh, some people rock a vegan diet. I think a lot of people struggle with it. I don't know that 
carnivore is the end all be all for everybody. And I do advocate for having as much latitude in your diet as you can such that it, it, you know, it works best for you. Right. But, um, yeah, the, the organ meat, I, I would have to say I'm more on the, it's optional and not necessary versus the like emphatic, you must eat brain and liver and spleen and everything at each meal, or you're, you're somehow going to end up nutrient deficient. Like I'm just, I'm just not seeing it in folks and, and certainly haven't experienced it myself. Yeah. yeah. Is yeah. Michaela Peterson doing just the ribeyes? Is she doing? As far as I know. Yeah. 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 And, yeah. and so that's what I call one cut carnivore. You one know, it's carnivore. like, they, yeah, they, they, uh, settled on this, you know, and, and I know, uh, Sean Baker has more latitude than that. Like he'll do some scrambled eggs and some right. dairy and different things, but he's, he's pretty, pretty ribeye esque, but yeah, I mean, Michaela and then who's the, uh, Charlene Anderson, I want to say she's a, a woman that's pretty, pretty well known within the carnivore scene. And she's been doing this 22 years and put really, really bad uh, rheumatoid arthritis into remission. And she's gorgeous. Like yeah. she's like early sixties or something. She's yeah. Hot, you know? Yeah. 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 I'm doing just the, just the fatty, just the fatty ribeyes. Yeah. So you don't, you yep. don't touch chicken ever? No, I, I do some chicken. Oh, so do. I am not in the, uh, I love Paul Saladino, but I think he's gone a little, little crazy on that that side of things um uh, and, and also it's kind of within this whole spectrum um i'm not eating bagels i'm not eating deep fried food <laughs> so i'm gonna eat some fucking pork and chicken here and there and yeah. I, it, you know and it, yeah. it, it, it's like i'm just not gonna gonna sweat that that much from us i would make a better case from a sustainability perspective to eschew yeah. chicken and pork than than the uh the kind of trivial amounts of mono and sat or polyunsaturated fats you're getting there but yeah. again that's kind of my my bias when, on I, that. when yeah. I first saw sean baker making chaffles i thought oh he's really stepping out of the stepping out of the paradigm a bit but uh i haven't yet to make them do you make chaffles ever we haven't done that yet. yeah <laughs> I yeah, yeah. <laughs> i just love saying the word chaffle i know i know there's something uh, <laughs> uh just satisfying about that yeah yeah, yeah. you know one of the things that uh, that you guys, a, a concept that that you sort of lead with uh, within uh, the Healthy Rebellion Radio is a resilient aging. Um, how do you define resilient aging? Oh man, how would I define it? Um, I think it's it's being as prepared for whatever comes your way as you can. You know, whether it's physical challenges, emotional challenges. Uh, uh, you know, one, one thing that does seem to be fairly consistent with aging is, is, uh, people begin narrowing their social circles. They begin narrowing their experiential circles. And some of that is that you just get busy and you get worn down and you're tired. And I, I know like raising my kids, like by the time they go to bed, like there was this time when they both went to bed at like six 30 and they slept 12 hours and it's like, that was pretty easy, you know? And, and, uh, they're getting older and it's, it's fun in a lot of ways, but they're like, I want to stay up and go outside and look at the stars. And it's like, well, I want to go to bed, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, and we, we now live in the mountains of, of Montana and yeah. we, we just had video of a mountain lion outside of our, our house. So, uh, so you're not going to go out on camp? the back porch right now. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. A big one. Like, a big one. Yeah. And so, um, you know, uh, so, and I think that that lack of pressure testing your boundaries leads to a lack of resilience. And then when you get forced into a difficult situation, like you're just that much less able to, uh, to deal with it. But, um, this is where I think doing like some weight training, a little bit of interval training, something like jujitsu or like a, 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 any yeah. type of martial art ready, but you know, uh, Thai boxing, even if you're just hitting pads and bags, like something where it's changing and you got to be dynamic and you're, you're dealing with, with real stuff coming at you, you know, it is, uh, really beneficial. Um, I've been cracking back into my old, uh, physics and calculus textbooks and just kind of trying to dust off the, 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 you know, the fog with that because my, my kids are eight and six, but both of them seem to really dig math and seem to have a bit of an aptitude for it. Mm. And we're homeschooling. So I'm like, okay, I got to step my game up here. We're going to, you know, I'm going to be in deep water here in the next couple of years. But, um, I think doing stuff like that language, uh, tinkering with languages, like anything, we're just getting some novel experience so that it, it keeps you fresh. I think that that definitely feeds into resilient aging. But I guess if we, we had kind of an elevator pitch, it's just being prepared to do it 
anything that, that life throws at you. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I, I think that sort of, that's a great concept for everybody right now. It's just to stay flexible, just to be prepared, you know, to, to think, to think ahead, you know, your, forgive me for not knowing the context for the move out to Montana, but just with the exodus of people that are moving specifically to Austin <laughs> and, right. there, and there goes Rob and Nikki, like, and, that was a little bit of the reason, like we, we grew up in kind of a mountainous Northern California, uh, North, uh, Northeastern Nevada area. So that was kind of where we were from. And I, uh, I was intrigued by Texas and it's, it's very cool. Um, it, there's a lot of interesting stuff going on there, but, um, New Braunfels is, uh, halfway between San Antonio and Austin and with COVID and kind of the social unrest and different things like that, like Although it felt rural, we were smack dab in the middle of an area that has like five or eight million people, you know, and there was just a lot more bodies around there than I was really mm. comfortable with, you know, if things really got squirrely and sideways. And uh, and yeah, a bunch of people were moving to Austin. So I figured <laughs> we'll go somewhere else. And, and you know, at the, at the end of the day, it brought us closer to family. Yeah. Um, our our jujitsu organization, Straight Blast Gym, they have three gyms in this area. Each one of them has like 400 members, wow. and, which for the people running jujitsu schools are like, how the fuck did they do that? Yeah. Um, they don't murder people. They have a system. Uh-huh. They onboard people. Like you don't just let people roll in the day one and like throw them to throw them to the wolves. Like if you want to run a good gym, then I would I would put an eye towards what those folks are doing, and you're going to have to modify the way that you do things. But we had instant community with the gyms. We were closer to family, and uh, uh, I guess kind of the the mountainous uh, wilderness type area is just kind of more our our shtick for sure. So yeah. cool. Yeah. yeah. Well, and when you do, when you, you know, when you're diversified in your projects and activities, the way that you are, you have the flexibility to, you know, to, to pick up and go, you know? Right. Start. Right. Yeah. We're super lucky in that regard. Yeah. And that's where we're going to end for today's episode. Uh, we're part two of the Rob Wolf interview is, uh, this is a great place to stop because we begin to talk into uh, how he's talking to his kids about COVID and mask wearing and, uh, the, the opportunity that we really have as a society to make some changes and to, to focus on health and wellness. Um, and so it, there was a, there was a nice distinction between the two uh, parts of this conversation. So that will be part two coming up really soon. Both amazing, amazing episodes. Rob Wolf is uh, such an inspiring guy. Um, clearly I'm a fan. <laughs> um, this episode is also brought to you by natural stacks, makers of 100% natural, open source supplements designed to help you live optimal. And uh, they make one of my most, well, my favorite favorite nootropic of all time, which is NeuroFuel, and my favorite sort of happy, feel-good uh, nootropic, which is called serotonin brain food. So if you need to focus, you should be trying, you should experiment with NeuroFuel. And if you are hitting lulls in the afternoon or you're just feeling low, uh, check out serotonin brain food. It's one of their best sellers for great reasons. It's uh, it's really effective. It works. It works quickly. And it's not habit forming. It's formulated to take every day. I mean, anything that you should be taking every anything really every day as far as um, nootropics and brain enhancers, but you should go check out serotonin brain food because it does give you a lift. It's simple. Uh, it's open source. So you can actually see what ingredients are in it, which is awesome. So go to naturalstacks.com and use the code OPP15 for 15% off. And uh, we'll see you shortly and see you on the internet.